What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm super pumped to have the honors to introduce our next guest of the Halftime Snacks. She's a sports industry veteran with experience on both sides of the media equation, both as a communications professional and as a member of the media. Her background is super cool and unique. She worked in communications for the Major League Baseball and as a networker, network reporter for the Orlando Magic. Besides that, she has collaborated with a variety of organizations and athletes at the professional, Olympic and collegiate levels. Today, she's the CEO and founder of Mile 44, a company that is pushing the boundaries of creativity by developing high-end quality content for global sports brands. This episode is about to go down with stories and discussions you never heard before. So, this is your last chance to pause this episode and go grab some of your favorite snacks. Ladies and gentlemen, Melinda Travis. Yo, thanks for that intro, uh, introduction. Wow, thanks everyone for having me. It's, uh, it's fun and I appreciate you taking the time. Melinda, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. It's great to finally have you. And I want to kick off our conversation with a quick fun icebreaker. And... Let's talk about this. You just you just came back from Isla Mujeres and the icebreaker that I prepared for you is actually what is the warmest place you ever traveled to for a vacation? If it's Isla Mujeres, you can say that and then you have to say the second one. If it's not, then you can just you just need to say what's the warmest place you ever traveled for a vacation. Oh gosh, the warmest place I ever traveled by far was Dubai. Okay, okay, I wasn't expecting. Hot. How 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 hot compared to Isla Mujeres? Uh, just so, so so that I get an idea. I mean, it was hot, hot. It was, it was probably close to, to 120 Fahrenheit. <laughs> hot. <laughs> All right. I've never been there, but I hope I'll make it one day. Um, you recommend it? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was super fun. I mean, a, a long flight from LA, but, um, but, I, but I loved it. Um, very different, very, very unique, but, but a lot of fun. I, I, I compared it to Vegas, to be honest. It's like Vegas on steroids. <laughs> Melinda, I want to know what's what's really the the meaning of mile 44. Why that specific mile? Is there a story or a meaning behind it that you want to share with the audience today? Okay, well, actually, this week is the four year anniversary of uh, of our of our rebrand. So, yeah, the story. Uh, like a lot of things in life, the name just kind of showed up, and something made us kind of pay attention and take hold of it. I think it was 2017. Uh, the company had originally started back in 2005. You know, I started my business as a sports PR agency. And over the years, we just started to shift away from, from comms and PR into content. And, you know, we needed a rebrand. So we were on a road trip to see a client in Arizona. And I threw out the idea to the team in the car. And I was like, hey, you know, I, th I think we need a new name. So we're on this dusty stretch of highway somewhere between LA and Tucson. And if anyone knows it, it's definitely not the most inspiring place on the planet you know, to come up with ideas. So my team's throwing out names and I'm, I'm literally hating on all of them. And finally, uh, Hannah Sprague, who's our VP of partnership says, hey, Travis, like you hate all these ideas, but like, I don't see you coming up with anything epic. 
So I look around, I'm like, okay, well, what the hell do you expect me to come up with? I'm driving, we're in the middle of nowhere and all I see is dust and you know, a few road signs, you know, exit 35, mile 44. And then all of a sudden we just kind of stopped and we're like, hey. And then of course, you know, we're in the car for another five hours. So, you know, what do you do? You start Googling the names of things, right? So the meaning of things rather. And as we started this process, you know, 44 turns out had a lot of significance for us. And, you know, without going to the weeds of, of numerology, you know, we found that it really, when it comes to business, is about building something bigger than yourself, which, you know, for us, that's what we try to do. And, you know, it just, it just kind of stuck. So, you know, at that time, and even now, we still don't know where we're going and where we're evolving as a business. So, you know, we just wanted something that would give us the latitude to kind of evolve into whatever it is that we're going to be in the next, you know, however many years. So that's the story. <laughs> let's 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 wait and jump a little bit back before before that moment before you rebranded mile 44 let's go maybe a little bit back to your experience as uh, in the media sides of side of sports you've been as a communications expert for uh, mlb and then you know network manager or network presenter reporter in the magic so you know kind of like how it works from both sides can you tell us a little bit about that as how it really built you and how that made you you and took you then to figure out you know mile 44 was the thing that i want that you wanted to do you didn't say how how was it called before but before mile 44 how was it called and then yeah before mile 44 we were pro sports communications i mean very original mm -hmm. but you know we were doing a lot of straight sports pr work as well as crisis management so it was definitely more corporate and more formal and more structured and, and, and it worked for back then but to go back to your question, you know, I did start out on the media side. I was a reporter. It was my very first job out of college um, in the NBA. Super fortunate to, to get that opportunity. But I realized probably about two weeks in that I just, I didn't like being a reporter. I didn't like being intrusive. I didn't like being on the other side. I could see how much the athletes hated dealing with the media. And, you know, you there's something about rolling up and you're the part of someone's day that they hate. So... I always sort of gravitated toward uh, the athlete side because, you know, and this was a long time ago. I mean, athletes didn't have the resources they have now. They didn't have the platforms they have now. And I found they were very, um, what's the word? They weren't ready for the media. They didn't want to deal with the media. They didn't understand the power of the media and they really didn't get any support. So I always felt a part of me always felt bad. It's like these guys are being thrown into the fire with no preparation. And then as soon as they say something wrong, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're thrown to the wolves and everyone freaks out. And it, uh, I just, I didn't like being on that side. So when I left, you know, uh, the magic, I went to MLB, but then from then on, I really was on the agency side working directly with athletes. So the PR practice, you know, grew and we did a lot of crisis management work. So when you're dealing with athletes in some of the worst times of their lives, you sit across the table from people that you've only read about. And when you sit down with them, you realize how wildly different they really are as people. And in that role, you're really trying to show people what you see uh, and who the real person is. And that was really sort of the art and science and sort of caring part of, of how you do crisis management well. And so it was a lot of learning the stories behind the stories. And I think all of that has kind of converged now in content because we take that expertise and just a few things again just understanding who people really are at their core and how they really want to be portrayed how wrong traditional media used to get get them why they hated it because they weren't being understood so 
I've always sort of had this, this empathy, I guess, for, for the athlete and, you know, again, working with them in such, such uh, hard times in their lives and getting to them, know them as people, it really just gave me an appreciation and wanted me to carry that through. Uh, so the stuff that we do now is very much focused on getting it right for the athlete. So while our clients are, are typically brands who activate athletes, you know, athlete ambassadors or, uh, you know, athletes who are, are getting involved, the brand is our client, but in a way the athlete is too, because if the athlete has a great experience, if they like the content that, that we're creating for them, they feel we're, we're presenting them and, and depicting them in the most authentic, powerful way, they're going to have a great experience. They're going to want to keep doing it for the brand. And, and it's just, it's better for everyone. Um, you know, the, the old school way was not letting athletes control things or not giving them preparation. It's sort of feeding them, you know, throwing them into the fire to see what they do. And then when they don't do it well, it's again, it's, um, it's just not, it's not a, it's not a level playing field. So I think when you, when you allow them to the room to, to sort of be themselves and allow them to, to, to redo things or have them give them peace of mind that they are, you are going to treat them in, in the best way possible and, and present them in a way, uh, they appreciate that. And I think that's really sort of been one of the things that's made mile 44 stand apart and, and do really well in this space. Is there any, any other thing of the media side of sports that you can think about right now that you think is broken in terms of the system and, or maybe that it could be improved? I understand that the side of probably giving the athletes the platform to really tell, tell their, their stories and, and show who they really are is one. Is there any other thing, maybe more now on the corporate side that you think that is broken or that it can really be improved? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just touching on the last point a little bit to, to what you're saying now, you know, Hope Solo is one of the athletes I work with a lot. And I would see so many times when I go with her to shoots, you know, she'd read the script and be like, what? Like, they want me to do this? Like, I, I would never do this in a workout. I would never, I don't do this. So, you know, again, letting them lead. I don't think a lot of times athletes are allowed to lead the content. And if it's about them, then they should, you know, we're not the experts. They are. We're just trying to capture it as authentically as we can. So that's sort of one technical piece. But obviously we're in the digital content creation space and on the brand side. So that's the lane that, that I guess I'll speak from. Uh, and first I'll say there's a lot of really great content out there. Some people are doing some incredible things. Uh, but I think when it's not great, it, it points back to a couple of things that I think are, are I've seen over and over again. I think the biggest thing is that the people concepting and creating the content are not the consumers of the content. So more directly, if you want to resonate with Gen Z or the younger audience, Gen X, you know, myself included, should not be leading and driving the creative. And, you know, sure, someone like me who's worked in media for years, I have the, you know, the, the sensibilities and, and the foundational strategy things about creativity and storytelling that don't change over time. And I do consider myself, you know, to still be pretty cool and, and immersed in what's culturally relevant, but I don't live it. And, you know, I always tell my team this all the time, most of them who are in the, in the, in the target consumer group, you know, I'll give my input, but I'm not the target audience and I'll never pretend to know more than you guys do about what's cool or what people want. So I think sort of giving way, the old guard needs to give way to that young generation of creatives. And I, I think sometimes that's not happening, especially in sports media. I think the second layer of that is diversity. 
you know, in the wake of last year's wake up call, if you will, in diversity, you know, you hear creative agencies saying things like, you know, we're going to do better when it comes to hiring. We're going to make sure that our staff, you know, better reflects the, uh, the makeup of America. And, you know, here in America, the, you know, Af African-Americans make up almost 14% of the population, Hispanic and Latinos, almost 19%. So it sounds like the right thing to do and say, right, hey, you know, make sure you have a team that's aligned with those numbers. But if you're an agency or you're a media company trying to create culturally relevant content, that's not even close because it's these communities who are driving culture, who are making the culture. So if you're only making up, if only 30% of your staff is, is that, and that's not even close to what people even have these days, you can't possibly get it right. Um, so will things get better? I, I, I hope so. And I, I don't think it's that hard. Uh, well, let me take it back. It's not hard in the sense that it, it's available to everyone, but it, you have to be really intentional and go and go looking for it. Um, because what we found is the best, most diverse, crazy talented people, they don't come from the traditional sports pipelines. Um, they, they, they're not showing up at industry networking events. Should, they, they might not even have gone to college. Um, they're not even on LinkedIn. So that process of finding people to be part of that, it has to be part of your strategy. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of companies, especially the big ones are equipped or maybe even know how to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think that just to summarize uh, what you just said, which I think resonates with, with, uh, with me a lot. And I, and I think it's great points. First of all, is to know who you're speaking to, basically know your audience and know who who that audience is because if if that audience doesn't really understand your content means that you are not understanding your audience so instead of saying okay let's 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 put a message out there pr you know a saying yeah we're espn we're gonna you know step up the diversity xyz it doesn't really mean that then your content is going to be adapted for this new audience that you want to reach. So that's one side. And then also from, 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 from another point of view, another perspective is that these media companies, they also have an agenda. They also, they're also owned by someone who eventually, you know, it's a prop for profit organization that who eventually wants to make money, meaning that they will optimize for retweets. They're optimized for, you know, likes, how many likes, how many reach, what, what was the reach? And so they're, usually not optimizing for content they're optimizing for reach which is not the same and it's and it's kind of like what i want to talk to you uh, about also for for mile 44 like how important is 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 the content and but 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 before we we get to that i want to really uh grasp the idea or understand the notion when you of the moment you you found product market fit meaning the the content that you make with the people that you do it for the audience that you you want to deliver it to what was the moment that you you were like ha like the aha moment of this is this is what works this is something that we need to replicate and find you know even even if it wasn't the first time right because at the end of the day you have to optimize your iterations do it again and again until you find it but i want to know what was the like moment where you, when it clicked for you ha I guess this is where I could pretend uh, to say we were highly strategic or that we had this big vision, but you know, I've just never been that way. It's not the way I've done things. And you know, I just tend to follow the signs and pay attention to the people, the opportunities, the insights that strike me as worth paying attention to, and then believing there's something there that I have to keep keep sort of uncovering and taking further. So 
we obviously knew brands had huge content pipelines to feed, um, which is sort of how we made the pivot in the first place for from comms because clients were asking for it. But it really wasn't until the pandemic hit and the world shut down that we really got clear on the value proposition and what we were truly solving for. I think every business, well, I know every business that was dependent on live sports um, and live production, you know, revenue disappeared overnight, you know, but back in, in March of 2020. So our team sort of came together and decided that, you know, we weren't going to shut down. Uh, we had nothing to shoot, but, you know, we, we knew that we, we needed to kind of take this opportunity to just get better as a team. So obviously in production, you know, we can scale up or down to, you know, to execute the jobs, but our core team at the start of the pandemic was, was six, including me. And I tease them all, you know, for better or worse, they're, they're all young, single and lived alone. So they made the decision to sort of quarantine together. And, you know, we created, you know, the, the bubble before there was a bubble and uh, really kept it airtight, stayed healthy. And again, just focused on getting better as a team, testing out new gear, um, you know, sort of try, trying new things, uh, staying, staying creative because, you know, the pandemic, you know, it really took a toll and it was really important to keep everybody mentally healthy and just inspired uh, in this crazy, unbelievable time. And then more importantly, use the time for business development. You know, I'd see on LinkedIn so many things saying, you know, don't, you shouldn't, it's in poor taste to reach out to people in the pandemic. And it's like, you know what? You can say that when you're sitting in a corporate job, but when you're building a company and you've got five people looking at you who want to know, you know, are they going to be okay? I, I can't worry about that. You know, we, we, we didn't stop. So, you know, what better time to get people on the phone, right? When there's zero pressure of a conversation because they have no money to spend. Uh, there's no projects on the timeline. They've got nothing except time on their hands. Uh, and our VP of business development did that for about nine months straight, you know, just 40 calls a week building relationships and just saying, hey, you know, we exist. There's definitely some overlap in our worlds. And when this, this crazy shit is over, we, you know, we should know each other. So, you know, within those conversations, not only did we build those relationships, but we got nine months of, of intel, you know, in terms of really understanding what brands want and what their biggest challenges are. What do they really need? Uh, what can we give them that no one else can? And the answer isn't content production. I mean, there's, yeah, they need it and that's the end product, but people don't hire us because we can shoot and edit. They hire us because we problem solve for everything else. Because at this level, I mean, we live in LA, you can throw a rock and hit a production company and get really great content from so many people, but you know, they, they want a one-stop shop. They want people who get their business, the core business that they're in and the, the people that they serve and, and sell to come up with concepts that they can say yes to right away that are turnkey and then have the ability to make it happen. Um, you know, as I said before, they want people who know how to work with A-list athletes. You know, people who don't freak out when the athlete is three hours late and shoot time goes from three hours to 45 minutes. You know, we, we, we've dealt with this over and over again. It's just, it's okay, we'll, we'll make it work. Uh, or, you know, if we know the athlete is a full workout later in the day, we have to adapt our shoot to them. And again, I think that's, um, that's just a skill set maybe we've taken for granted over all these years working with athletes, but, but it matters to brands. Um, they want people to know to shoot sports and are going to capture the authenticity of the athlete in the sport and, and do it the best way. You know, they want diverse teams. Maybe they're not as diverse as they want to be, but they can take an agency and, and some creatives that really fill that for them, you know, and then they just want, you know, they want a great experience for themselves, for their athletes. Um, they want things quick, quickly. So it, it kind of proved that if we double down on everything we're really good at, you know, this, this is where we're, we're going to be strong. So 
again, it wasn't this grand plan or this, hey, this is something that we can do. It's what are we really good at and how do we sort of adapt it to this to this this new world? And and that's that's really I mean, come January 2021, it's been crazy and it hasn't stopped. I want to double click on uh, the topic of creativity that you mentioned, like how do you keep yourself creative? I think that first, as your, to your point, I feel like the, the pandemic really boosted uh, people's cr uh, creativity level in, in levels. And here's why. I think that when, when people were stranded at home, locked and with no resources or, no, or so much time in their hands, they had to figure out ways and they're going to do things that they did before, but in, in new and adaptable, adaptable ways for the pandemic. So I feel like the pandemic really boosted creativity in a way. Now, I want to know you, of course, you've worked with a couple of creative talents uh, from all over, you know, even like con content and even like athletes that they are also creative. I want to know if you have like a couple of ideas amongst what makes a creative talent. What are the ingredients that build up someone with that natural creative talent that you look for at least? Yeah, I guess uh, creative talent is like everything else is pretty subjective. I think for mile 44, it's, it's, it's pretty distinct. I think number one, you have to watch our stuff and feel something about it. You know, it, you've got to, you've got to understand our vibe, get it. And, and, and it has to resonate, right? It's, it's fast. It's always moving. It's, it's every cut is intentional. You know, it's, it's kind of all about exerting, you know, as much hype as we can and making people just, you know, want to get out and go do something after they watch our stuff. So you have to be about that uh, first and, and grasp it. Uh, you know, like I said, we're not, a, a lot of sports content is very sort of, it, you know, pulls that emotion out and, and, that, and that, that, that inspiration and motivation. And we're sort of about, you know, I hope that our stuff inspires, but, but our goal is really to ignite whatever it is, whatever fire is inside you. When you watch our stuff, it's like, you want to get up and go do something. So it's that sort of personality type that, 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 that we're looking for. Um, and people who aren't afraid to try new things, you know, I think, especially here in LA, you get people who've done the same things over and over again. And, you know, looking at a client, a project, an athlete and saying, Hey, this, this, I want to try this. And, and having, having them be okay and with that if it doesn't work out the first time we've got to do it over again but i think for for this environment the, the biggest thing which is maybe not a creative trait but you have to be okay with understanding that marketing and creative are sometimes at odds so sometimes what the client wants maybe isn't the best thing for for the the art uh or maybe kills something that you really wanted but you have to you have to be okay with that um and i think some creatives are really really married to, to to their their stuff and it just doesn't work like that you know we we definitely will will fight for things fight's probably the wrong word we'll usually advise a client like here's the reason why we think we you know it should stay this way or here's another way of doing things so that we don't sort of uh gut the thing that we did but sometimes you just have to be okay with that and finding that middle ground where they're happy but you know you can live with it and then some people just aren't aren't so those are probably the main things for us um, But yeah, I think people who are just open, you know, we we definitely have people from the sports world on our team, but we also bring people in from music, from fashion, uh, from, from, from film, because all of it's culture. And I think when you infuse all these different different um, things into it, you just you just get a different product and and it's it's never the same. Very interesting. Have you found any specific challenges from working with uh, athletes? Uh, this one that you mentioned that sometimes they come with the mindset that something 
should be as they want but then you know you have the door a, a door in your mind open for for which they don't and so showing them that door might be a challenging thing is there any other challenges that you can share with us from having experience working with athletes from all different levels from olympia olympic to collegiate and professional sports yeah honestly i think i think working with athletes is probably the the easiest part of it because you, you kind of know what to expect if you can if you can get them in you can get them out you can be efficient you can you know you walk them through you show them why they're doing things you give them input on the front end We always make sure that they see the shoot plan in advance, that they have input. Um, really important to do that. Uh, but honestly, I think it's more it's more on the brand side because there, look, there are marketing messages you have to get in. There are product shots you have to get in. Uh, you're there. There. This ultimately has to drive their business results. So yeah, is is that is that close up of the shoe um, the best shot for this frame? Maybe not, but it's what's needed. So just do it. Uh, But yeah, I think you know we 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 generally try to find that happy medium and 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 look at it again on the front end, looking what has to be achieved, and then building the creative around that, so that you know we don't none of no one on our team feels that they're compromising their creativity, and the client still gets what they need, and 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 the overall goal is achieved. Because you know you're not making content for content's sake. It, it, it there's definitely an end goal, and um, again, I think having that agency background and being able to understand what the client needs, you know, we kind of thread that, you know, thread that needle uh, for our creatives so that they can get to the other side. I think that's so valuable. I think you guys should really stop and go back 15 seconds. This is, this is really key, Melinda. Knowing the strategy behind the content and knowing how to connect it. I've seen so many content creators that have no idea what, what you're doing. They're just creating by creating and there's no, there's no thread behind it. So I guess that um, really solving that problem is one one of the value propositions that you you guys really are great to deliver but let's talk about culture this is this is probably the main topic i want to i want to get to and i want to know as you mentioned you worked with people from film from music from fashion from sports so probably most of the things that uh build a culture um what ways do you think sports brands and sports in it themselves impact culture and society society differently from other brands in say uh food or uh industry or what 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 do you think is about sports uh that's a great question um obviously you know to me sports is a reflection of culture and society right it, it captures everything about that human experience our aspirations our struggles our loyalties our traditions sports brands have the ability to move people you know, tapping into those things, move them to act, to feel, to believe in something. And so they are different and they, and they do have a lot more leverage in that regard um, than other, other brands do. I think to couple that, you know, you watch all of it play out with these larger than life athletes uh, whose influence is second to none, who again are the culture makers, the culture amplifiers. And because of that, we pay attention. You know, we connect with that. Uh, you know, Nike says that if you have a body, you are an athlete. And I think all of us can Can sort of gravitate toward that so they do have the power to influence that the brands do and i think a lot of them do it really well yeah i remember watching i don't know if you've ever watched the the shop uh with lebron james of course in one of the episodes he actually mentions how the way they dress before games might have an influence that they don't 
they don't expect like people are going to start copying the way they dress for games just just because they dress just for the game so they are the ones putting in the example and and really setting the culture do you think they know about this responsibility or is it just a few that are maybe at the top of the popularity you know lebron and th those those ones do you think all of them know the power of their platforms and the power they have over culture or is it something that you've seen that some don't really care and don't understand how this works and don't know how to build their brands and connect connect their brands to things w which they believe in or what is your experience with that yeah i think it's interesting because i've sort of seen the i've seen the evolution when athletes didn't have it at all from athletes learning about it and maybe not leveraging it to now it's just sort of natural so it's very very cool for me to see athletes owning their power and really taking, being intentional about their careers, their decisions, what they do, how they're perceived, you know, what, what pieces of them they bring um, to, to their spotlight. So, and I love that because again, 20 years ago when I was with the, with the magic, you know, they, they didn't have that opportunity and they didn't have the, uh, the ability to really, you know, to put that onto the world. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty intentional. I think everything's converging, right? Sports, music, arts, fashion, it's there. And you know, because we're getting to know athletes in a different way and in a very much more personal way, they're, they're able to bring all those pieces of them, which, you know, sort of creates that whole brand. So I think, I think they're intentional about it as, as they should be. And um, it's, I think it's a positive and, and, I, and I love seeing how they're, they're using this time in their lives to then to, to build for the future. I think before an athlete would never talk about retirement. Like you didn't bring it up. That was like, I'm not thinking about it. I'm, I'm an NBA player. This is what I'm doing now. Like I will deal with that when the time comes. Whereas now it's almost the brands being built concurrently on day one, these athletes know where they're going. And now with, you know, with, with the new um, legislation here with, with collegiate athletes now being able to get paid, that's happening even sooner. So yeah, I, I love it. And it's, it's been really cool for me just to see how things have changed. And, you know, it's, it's great to see athletes owning what's available to them and, 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 and being the ones to dictate what's good for them. And what's next for, um, for mile 44 is, is there any plan that you have, uh, for the future? Wow. Oh, so many <laughs> A trip back to Mexico first. No, uh, you know what, honestly, we haven't had a chance to, to, to breathe, you know, th this, this year has been, been crazy and yeah, I'm looking forward to just, you know, Q4 just sort of, assessing everything we've done and really being a little more intentional about what we do next year. I mean, we're, we're so lucky. We're working with some of the, the, the most incredible brands on the planet right now. And, and, you know, we've been really lucky that again, we were able to sort of leverage COVID and, and get better. And I know that that wasn't the case for a lot of people. So super grateful for that. But, um, but no, I think we just, you know, we want to experiment with new things too. We want to take what we've done and build on it. And I think we're excited to be starting this year with the foundation that, that we built this year and, and just so much more of an understanding of, 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 of what, what we can do. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool time for us. Yeah. But I also think that since you understand how really the media industry works and especially related to sports, you are able to like, you're now like three steps ahead of them. So as long as like you can keep up with that advantage of knowing, you know, where the value is and how to like, provide value for both 
the brands and the athletes and making both both of them happy you're always going to be you know moving forward so yeah i'm looking forward to that melinda this this has been great um i can't live without asking you a more personal question and i want to know what are maybe two or three things that you do to increase serendipity in your life is there any any action that you take or any habit that you formed or one or two or three that you can share with us to increase serendipity I mean, honestly, I, I'm such a big believer in that. And honestly, if I look, you know, I think Steve Jobs said it, when you look back on your life, you, you can clearly see the dots connecting. And yeah, I think just that belief, you know, we always joke around here. I always say, especially, you know, when, when COVID hit and we always had hope and, and someone said to me, you know, hope's not a business strategy. I'm like, uh, belief is a business strategy. And I always believe that things will happen because they always have. And I think, again, if you, if you pay attention to those, to, to the things, um, that warrant your attention and, and you notice interesting people and opportunities and things coming in and you capitalize on those, or you just at least explore them, you know, that to me, um, sort of creates the opportunities, uh, you know, whenever we've been at that crossroads or we're, we're not really sure what's next, it really is that intentional thought and just being clear about what you want and why you want it and, and, and letting the house sort of reveal itself to you. So, you know, we, we definitely talk about that a lot here and, and, everything that's happened to us and the way the company over the years has been built, none of it could have been planned. So I think just not trying to control things so much. And again, just being very clear about what we do, why we do it and, and continuing to, to just be authentic, you know, to, to ourselves. And we have a, we have a, a, our sort of mantra here is, you know, going to do it anyway, because there's so many times where we, we just know what is right for us, despite what, other people would tell us is, is reasonable or or rational and again i think when you believe in in what you're doing and why you do it so much and you've got the people around you who, who also support that you know things always work out and, and you just have to keep keep moving forward that's amazing melinda it's so inspiring to really listen to your words and everything that you think and do it's fascinating i appreciate that appreciate you coming to the halftime snacks has been a wonderful time with you chatting learning from everything you're you're doing and building can't wait to see where this is gonna go in the next five ten years i'm looking forward and anytime you're always welcome to the halftime snacks melinda thank you very much for tuning in if you enjoy this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.